You're listening to Echo the Podcast. On this episode, we chatted with Maisie Peters. Since releasing her 2017 single, Place We Were Made, Peters has made quite a name for herself with her witty, narrative-driven tracks that delve into universal and emotional experiences. Her latest single, Maybe Don't, a collaboration with J.P. Sachs, is a conversational love song that looks at our tendency to sabotage the things we want the most as Peters and Sachs sing. We chatted with a rising artist about everything from her book club to her forthcoming debut album. Here's our conversation with Maisie Peters. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's late where you are. How was your day? Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, of um, course. My day has been okay. Yeah, my day has been okay. Um, I've just been at home all day working on various little bits of music and I had a bagel for breakfast and cream cheese. Good so choice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, had a lot of coffee and yeah, just been working away, chipping away at things. How's your day? Very good. Um, so how have you been staying inspired during all of this? Um, I mean, it's, obviously it's very difficult. Um, but I would say I'm lucky because I'm somebody who is able uh, to find inspiration in a lot of different things. Um, so I think, you know, even when I started writing very young, I was not, I was like 12, 13, nothing's going on in your life when you're 12, 13. So I was writing about being a divorced woman and flying to Paris with my boyfriend who I didn't have. Um, and so I think, but on like a more real note, you know, I was, I'm always been a big reader and I'm just, I tend to find inspiration in a lot of places and I guess maybe I have an overactive imagination, but I'm because I guess of how the way I grew up making music is I'm actually find it um, like almost it's easy for me to step into other shoes and other places. And I'm not someone that has to write just solely about my life at this exact moment. Yeah. A lot of your music is very narrative driven. What draws you to writing something with a story? I think that's just, just like as a person who loves music and who loves songwriting, that's just the music that I love the most. Um, and you know, you make what you, what you want to, I hope everybody that makes the music they want to listen to. Um, and that's just always been for me. I think I'm such a, um, a narrative person. Like I love reading and, um, I love like these worlds. And as a kid, I was, I love drawing. I love creating these worlds. And I just, I think I personally, I also get like a real kick out of lyricism and things that are really clever, but also really simple um, and words and making like a real visual picture. Um, just like setting a scene is really important to me. And I think, yeah, I think honestly, that's just the music that I love. So you just, you just make what you love. And speaking of stories and books and everything, you have your own book club. What prompted you to start the Maisie Peters book club? Oh, I think I started at the beginning of this year. Um, and I was actually, I think one of my followers commented being like, you should have a book club, but I've always been a big reader. And I always felt like a lot of my fans are big readers as well. And cause of, I get so many amazing messages and comments on my music and it's so insightful. Um, and it's so smart. And then I was like, wow, I feel like we're all real kindred spirits anyway. And I started this book club as a way to kind of like bring us further together and create like even more of a community and like a really tiny little corner of the internet, um, where, yeah, it's just, it's a really nice thing to read with other people and to get to discuss it and to talk to authors. And I think that's actually really massively was like a really, it's like a challenge for me. I'm used to being the interviewed um, and interviewing actually actual serious adults who've uh, written actual literary masterpieces. 
is very different. So I definitely, it was a really new skill, but really kind of scary and exciting. And I think that's important. Yeah, of course. And what has it been like to see that evolve and people enjoying your book recommendations and everything? Yeah, it's been really fun. It's so cool when you do like a book that you love. Um, so like the first, actually the first book we ever did was called Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan. And I loved it. And I felt like so seen by it. And it's still probably one of my favorite books I've ever read. And it was so cool to get to read that like as a big group and discuss it. And then I had Nisha on the, on the book club. And then we've since become friends, which is really cool. Obviously there's a lot of anger inside me. Um, and it's just really, it's really cool getting to share that experience with people. And I get books from them all the time. Like they'll send, you know, we'll send each other recommendations and it's just a really lovely place. So nice. And you mentioned earlier too, about how you loved writing growing up. Um, what made you take your just writing stories and turning them into a song? Um, I think I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think I loved as a kid, I was very much like writing short stories and poems and I wasn't particularly musical. And then maybe around like 10, 11, 12, I was so into Taylor Swift. And I was also, I was into other things. I loved like ABBA and Eddie Golding and, and Plan B and all these other people, but I loved Taylor Swift. And it, I just think it was a kind of a subconscious obvious transition from like writing all these words. And then I discovered like songwriting and I had a really terrible keyboard and I had a, my friend's guitar, which I borrowed. And I just immediately, I just did it immediately and wrote so many songs within the space of like a couple of months. I think I just like, I just, it's like something, I don't know. I'm very lucky. I think not everyone gets to, I actually was watching like a Beanie Fieldstein, I think it's her name interview. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I'm on a massive tangent here, but I promise I'm bringing it back. I was watching an interview she did, um, and she talks about self-image, and she talks about how she just thinks she was really lucky because if you discover something young that you love so much and you're so passionate about, and you feel like it's so wholly you, like your whole identity is that thing, it actually really, I think, changes the course of like your teenage years and a lot of that like adolescence because. In, in many of you know, and of course you have the same struggles and feelings as everyone else, but there is something in you that is very purposeful and is very like, this is what I love. This is what I do. Like I am a person that does this thing. And I think that that's just a whole, you can just stumble upon it. And some people, you know, take years and years to stumble upon the thing that makes them feel like that. And so I think stumbling across that for me when I was like 12, 13, and I didn't, you know, I didn't say it. I didn't tell anyone. I wasn't I was making music on my own and I had no intention of doing anything with it really. I was doing it. But I think that really like was just like set up like a mark in the sand of like, this is what you do and you do it because you love it, but you just do it all the time. And it's just obvious that you do. Yeah. That's great that you found that you had that passion for writing and music so young. Cause like you said, it, could take years for some people to discover that. Um, and do you remember what one of the first songs you wrote was and does it still resonate with you today? Yes, I, um, I do. Well, I, I remember quite a lot of them. I think, I don't know. I have a good memory for songs for nothing else. Um, but there was definitely one called Sandcastles, which I don't remember the melody of, but I found it in a notebook from like 2009. So that must have been so bad. But then I also remember... I remember so many of them and I re- I'll find myself singing them all the time because they're just lodged in there. But I did one where I was, 
I wish I could find it. It's on my old laptop. I really need to dig it up. Um, but I remember the first song I wrote where I was really proud of it. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And I played it to my friend and she was like, wow, it's really good. And I'm sure in hindsight, it's not. But there was something about, I think that was maybe like a year or two into writing where I was like, oh no, like this thing here isn't bad. And I, and I don't think that you do that immediately. Like I tell people all the time, you, you just make bad things for ages because you, you haven't done it. You're you, like, why would you, why would you possibly make something good? It's kind of outrageous. Like it's like giving a child like a bunch of vegetables and being like, make a ratatouille. Like they can't do that. <laughs> why would they, why would you, anyone be expected to do that? And so, yeah, I think that was the first, and that was like something to do with leaves and it was like hidden in the leaves. And that was the first one I was like, good. Are there any lyrics that have found their way from those old songs into your new music? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think you're underestimating the amount of songs. <laughs> like, I don't even, I, I can't even tell you. Like, I, between the ages of like 12 and 16, I was just writing like every day. There would be like a new song every day. Wow. And so I, I can't even, and they're all, again, they're like all of my old laptops. And I used to file them under like bad, it was like bad, good, very good. And I would like drag them in um, to the far. So I honestly, I could not tell you. Maybe subconsciously things make their way back in. Mm-hmm. But I think that era is maybe not, maybe that era is closed. Maybe, maybe don't go back to that. (laughs) Um, So you started off busking in um, Brighton. What, uh, was there anything that you learned while busking that you applied to your music today or to your performing today? Yes, definitely. A hundred percent. I think a key thing I learned from busking. And then I think is why it's an invaluable thing is that people don't have to listen to you. Um, And I think as artists, people, you can take that very personally. Mm-hmm. And the absolute best thing to do is to not take it personally. It's, it's a very matter of fact, people don't have to listen to you if they don't want to. Um, and you, but it's an interest busking is actually like a physical representation of people don't have to listen to you, but you can still do what you, but you can still make music. And like busking is a very obvious form of that. But I think if you take that into all aspects, I mean, essentially don't take people listening to you in any way for granted. They don't have to, if they don't want to, they won't. And then with that knowledge, don't let that impede like your own sense of creativity and what you want to make and sure. and understand both of those things can coexist because I think people get confused and they're like, oh, people don't want to listen to me. That must mean I'm bad. And you're like, no, they just don't want to listen to you for their own reasons. You're not bad, but you need to be able to make things for you because you want to listen to them. And then also maybe figure out how to make people listen to you. Um, and that is a separate skill and also one that you learn through busking. But I would argue le- that a bit is less important than like figuring out why people are figuring out how to make people listen to you is less important than being OK with the fact that they're not in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And are, are there any memorable interactions that you had while busking? I mean, there were, yeah, there's a couple. I were actually really sweet. I remember busking out of the library and these two girls came up to me and they wrote me a note on a packet of crisps, I think. And they were like, hi, we're Annie. And one of them was called Annie. I can't remember what the other one was called. This was literally five, five or six years ago. And they wrote on the note, they were like, we don't have any money, but you're so good. Here are our crisps. See you at Glastonbury. And I still have that note. I pinned it up on my board at home. Um, 
So if I ever get to play with Glastonbury, I will definitely shout out both of those girls and be like, five, six years ago, you said this and look at us now, baby. It might not be too far off either. Once things start picking up again, performing, you never know. (laughs) Um, And so you just recently released your single with J.P. Sachs, Maybe Don't. What was the inspiration for that track? Um, So the inspiration for that track uh, was essentially life. Um, life. We were, me and JP were in the studio together and we were just talking about, um, you know, our respective situations that were going on at the time and talking about why it is that we feel like we need to ruin, we meaning human beings, not just me mm-hmm. and JP, but we feel like we need to ruin things that are going well. Um, and we were talking about yeah, this kind of like destructive element of being a human being and being someone that makes write songs about it as well. Um, and then kind of, it's fun because I'm 20 and so really in the destructive uh, part of my life <laughs> and JP is a little bit older and he's in like a very healthy, like committed relationship and he's very in love. Um, so it was actually like a really fun sort of like parallel. And I think both of us yeah. were bringing very different energy, but it really complemented each other and like created this song, which is kind of about the like push and pull of romantic relationships, I guess. And how did you get connected with JP and what was the writing process like? We got connected um, a lot. I mean, we've known of each other and been friends for a long time since his song, uh, the, the Few Things That I'm Sure Of, The Few Things I Think It's Called. Um, I remember hearing that and being like, oh my God, this is insanely good. And we, you know, I reached out and we got in touch and we always planned to ride together, but we just never um, came through because obviously he lives in LA and I live in London. Mm-hmm. And then earlier this year, he was just playing a show in London and I was like, oh, we should write. And of course I said, yes. And we just managed to luckily right before the pandemic as well, it was right before lockdown. We managed to get into a studio with a friend of mine called Joe and wrote the song in a couple of hours. And it was very chance and luck driven. And what was the inspiration for the video? And what was it like translating the song to the video? It was really fun, actually. I definitely, with the video, I wanted it to feel, um, I very much wanted us both to be in it. And I wanted it to feel like a conversation um, and to like reflect that part of the song because I thought that was a really cool part of the song. Um, And so, yeah, and then the video just it started off like the original concept was a little bit more like straighter mm-hmm. um, in terms of it was going to be more like us on the phone to each other and kind of reenact that. And then it really interestingly kind of just get kept on getting like weirder and weirder. Um, and it ended up in this really like, almost like, I think when you watch the video, I love it because it feels slightly like, like off center, like something about it is like slightly weird. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's like our faces are joining and that's kind of weird. And then the coloring is just kind of weird. Like we're so pale. <laughs> um, and there's like weird, like dance bits, but they're not really dance and we're not really in time. And it's like, is that intentional? I don't know. And I don't know, but it's just really cool that it's like became this sort of like weird. And I think the song is weird in itself and it has all these like weird um, qualities to it as like a, a lyric and a message and a general thing so it was really cool to reflect that in the music video uh what has it been like to see that your music resonates with people like maybe don't people seem to love it and there was a lot of critical acclaim um what has it been like to see that yeah it's been really cool I think I don't really think about it that often 
Um, not because I'm not like very grateful and I'm, I think I'm just someone that moves so quickly and I'm just like, cool, one thing done, next thing. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely important. And every time like somebody asks a question like this, I always think like, yes, Maisie, you should, <laughs> you should actually <laughs> think about that and give yourself some time to do that. But I think, yeah, it's fun because you, you know, you spend so long working on a song going over and over and tweaking it and turning it and mixing it and producing it. And then as soon as it comes out, I'm just like, off she goes, like, that it's yours now. And I'm, I'm almost not involved. Like it's almost, it's not mine anymore. Um, and I really, I don't listen to songs that often once they come out, once it's out, it's like, it's out of my hands and it's almost like out, not out of my heart. It's just in a heart out of my body. Um, so I think that I'm just like, I'm really glad that people have connected to it so much. And I think I was worried that people wouldn't, um, which goes to show, you know, so self-obsessed, like obviously everyone goes through something. <laughs> We're not special here, but I'm really glad that people have made to it and feel like it's something they relate to. And that kind of goes back to your song, The List, where you kind of list out things that like uh, bother you about yourself. Um, Did writing that song help to make you feel more confident in yourself to be like, oh, like that's not that bad? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) I don't know. That that made me laugh. Um, Did it make me more confident in myself? Um, no, (laughs) but I think it was a good thing. Really, again, actually with that song, it's similar, even though it's very personal to me. Um, the main reason I'm glad that it's out is because I think that it's personal to other people too. And I get a lot of messages about that song being like, I heard this day and I just started crying. I felt like so seen and it made me feel like very hurt. And I think that's, way more important than any feeling I have attached to the song. You know, I think we've all got our own problems and our own things that we're working on. And that song for me, I don't know. I think some people find songwriting cathartic, which I've personally never found. Um, but I, that's for another day to unpack. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I personally, I've never, I don't write for that reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't particularly find once I've written it, it's like a, oh, a weight off my chest. It's like, no, in a way I've just, I've actually multiplied it um, because I've just put it somewhere else. And I talk to my friends about this all the time. It's like, am I actually sad about this? Or am I just writing songs about it all the time, every day uh, and making myself sad about something that I wouldn't be that sad about normally. Anyway, sorry, this is a whole tangent. I speak okay. at 90 miles an hour. Um, this is not the question that you asked. But <laughs> you ask, I, I think it's probably definitely helped in ways that maybe even I like don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's very relatable and um, I think it's helped me and I'm sure it's helped other people. So um, among your fans are Taylor Swift and Louis Capaldi and Sam Smith. What has it been like to be recognized by those artists? Yeah, it's um, it's obviously, it's amazing. I respect all of them like so in- incredibly much. And I think that they're all in- amazing writers and performers. Um and people in their own right. And I really do appreciate anyone that like sees anything in me, um, let alone people like of that caliber and quality um, as musicians. So it's really cool. And uh, dream collaboration, who would you love to collaborate with? Okay. So, I mean, I'm, I have to t- say Taylor because of course, <laughs> for obvious reasons but actually recently I've been super into uh, The Killers and Brandon Flowers as a front man I think is amazing 
And I actually think he's just like an incredible writer and an incredible singer and like underrated, which sounds impossible, but I would love to do something with Brandon Flowers. That would be an awesome collaboration. Um, so if you could set up your fans in the perfect environment to listen to your music, what do you imagine it looking like? Okay. I totally know the answer to this question. Um, I think it is like a, a cafe, but like in a forest and it has, it has like kind of different, the, the cafe has different levels and it's super like cottage core. And there's like a million things. Cause I love clutter. I'm like a big objects person has stuff on like all the surfaces, like rugs, blankets. And then you go out the cafe um, and there's like a greenhouse and we have kind of like garden furniture in the greenhouse and there's loads of plants and we all sit in there and listen to the music as well. And then we just kind of go, then maybe there's a fire pit. Um, yes. That's my current plan. That sounds amazing with like a cup of tea. Exactly. Be amazing. <laughs> so I'm so excited. I've heard you're working on your debut album. What can people expect from the album? I have a reputation for leaking absolutely everything I do. And I really am trying to not. Um, so, but I think they can expect, you know, like things that they'll love, things that they'll, ex- that they would, you know, be, I don't know what it is. They can expect things they know they'll love and things they don't know they'll love, but I think they'll love eventually. Um, and I think it's just a very full portrayal of me. I sent um, the opening track to a friend of mine the other day and she was like, how is, how have you got your whole personality into a song? I don't understand, which I thought was really funny. Um, but yeah, I really do just think it is very me. Love that. And will any of the tracks that you've, or like little clips you've put on TikTok make their way onto the album, like Pretty Girls Like Star Signs? Potentially is all I'm going to say. Potentially. <laughs> um, and I don't, I'm not saying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also, is there anything you've learned about yourself as a songwriter since your first EP, Dress Too Nice for a Jacket, that you've applied to this new project? Yes. Definitely. Um, cause I did that, uh, I did a dress nice for a jacket like two, two years ago, um, which is really crazy. And I still really love that EP. Um, cause I did it's your bad babe last year and then dress nice for a jacket two years ago. Um, I think, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot, but I'm also actually in ways trying to like draw on a lot of me from them in terms of like just process. I think it's a lot of like, um, I guess like naivety that came with creating that EP that I'd actually love to get back. Um, And obviously that's an impossible task, but I think that a lot of the creation of that EP was really great for that reason. Um, So I've learned a lot, but I'm also learning a lot retrospectively from me before then. And I'm trying to combine the two. Awesome. And is there anything that fans can look forward to between now and when the album comes out later next year? I mean, definitely. Oh my God, definitely. There's, I mean, I'm not just, I would never just leave you guys just stranded for, for that long. So for sure. But I really can't say it because I really am trying here. I, I know. Promise. I'm, really <laughs> I'm glad. <trying. laughs> um, and it, Maisie, it has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. But before I let you go, what is one quote that you go by or have heard that you want to echo out to the world? Amazing. I love this as, an, as a last question. Um, 
a quote that I live by and that I tell all to all my friends and we've, we've really like taken on board and I've, I've been saying it since I was like 15. So creds to me is that no one cares about you as much as you think they do because everyone is thinking about themselves. So like in the nicest possible way, like really no one is watching you. No one. We're all watching ourselves. And it's like, you know, when you do a group photo and you look at yourself and you're like, I look awful. It's like, and then you realize that everyone else is also looking at themselves and no one is looking at you because they're looking at them. That's all of life. Life is one big group photo and no one's looking at you. So kind of just, and with that mentality, do whatever you want. Um, And it's the worst that can happen is probably not that bad. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Maisie Peters. Make sure you stay connected with Maisie on Facebook at Maisie Peters Music and on Instagram and Twitter at Maisie H. Peters. Her latest single, Maybe Don't, is now available for streaming. You can follow along with Echo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.